Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. Happy Pride Month, everybody. Happy June. Happy summer. I just want to say that this podcast is a place that celebrates the LGBTQ plus community. And at Things That Will Help podcast, which is which is right now a two-human show, it's me on the mic and the creative content. And Alex Lee Ammons, for the love of media, is the name of her company. She's on editing and all the backstage things. We believe that people should have a right to love whomever they wish and that whatever pronouns or gender identification they align with is always their right. We do not stand for bigotry in any form, and we are a safe place. We are audible allies, and we're proud to stand in support of people getting to live freely and openly. If you are not somebody that believes that people deserve the freedom to be who they are and marry and love whoever they want to, then we do not want your listenership. Thank you so much and happy pride. Okay. I want to talk about feedback. In particular, getting feedback, whether or not you've asked for it or not. Tricky, 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 tricky for most of us. I have a good bit to say about this, and I think it's relevant for almost anything that we're doing in life, and I've decided to to break this up into two parts. This this part one episode, I want to talk about getting feedback. In part two, I'll talk about giving it to somebody else. You will get feedback whether you ask for it or not. Whenever you're doing something new or creative or something that somebody else relates to or they, they feel like they've gone down that path at some point, you're going to get feedback, whether or not you asked for it or not. And I think it can be helpful to have your ducks in a row so that you don't get too knocked off course by it, whether it's solicited or unsolicited. I've started thinking about getting feedback in terms of Halloween like trick-or-treating. When I was a kid, I used to get a big pillowcase of candy, and and some of it was delicious and really good, and, and some of it was garbage candy. And do you guys remember the the really bad candy that they wrapped in, like, white wax paper, and it was kind of pastel-colored? There was, like, pastel pink and yellow and brown, and it was super gross. It tasted like the paper that it came in to me. That's the candy I just threw directly into the trash and Tootsie Rolls, super gross, threw in the trash. I would save all the Reese's Cups and the Snickers and the Red Hots and the Sugar Babies. But anyway, feedback is like that. You have to sort through it like your Halloween candy. You have to rank it. You have to put it in piles of usability. Most people's tendencies when they start to receive feedback when somebody comes at them with feedback is they get defensive 
and or they justify and explain why they've chosen such and such, like they build a case for whatever it is they're trying to hold on to. Or they, yeah, 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 the person along. Um, they hurry them along because it feels uncomfortable. Or my personal favorite, they self-deprecate. And somebody might be feedbacking something little, like a little part of their writing, and then they just decide that the whole thing's bad, and they throw the baby out with the bathwater, and it's really not a useful practice, self-deprecation. Once again, I want to point to Brene Brown for offering one of my favorite and most useful nuggets uh, in terms of the art of receiving feedback, and that is to separate the feedback from the feedbacker. This uh, this teaching has been so incredibly profound for me and has allowed me so much growth in both my personal and professional life. Because as a sensitive human, I used to really examine people's intention when they came at me with especially unsolicited feedback. I was so fragile and delicate and tenderhearted about it and very precious about my work and whatever anybody had to say about it. But something switched in me when I learned to peel the person away from the information that they were speaking about. And then it became material I could either work with or throw away. Or what happens most of the time is use some of it and discard some of it. And that's been revolutionary for me. And I do like to think of it as a candy pile. It sort of depends on where I am in the process of whatever it is I'm getting feedbacked on, on whether or not that feedback is helpful. I tend to consider it all, but even the person who might have selfish intentions when they feedback you may still have a piece of goodness in there for you. Because when you peel the person away from the actual feedback, it sort of takes the charge out of it. Kind of like, she's jealous of me, so of course she would say that because her intentions are questionable. Or look at his relationship. I'm not sure that he should be giving feedback on that. Things like that are a waste of time. It feels like unneeded drama, and I don't love that. Because it clouds whether or not the information itself is good and true. So whether or not I open the gate and the possibility for feedback does not depend on who is standing in front of me, but rather where I am in the process. For example, if somebody's trying to offer me feedback about my writing, I'm sometimes in a space where edits and other people's eyes are so useful because I've been in a foxhole by myself with it for a long time. And when I'm at that point, I can't even discern what's good writing and bad writing. And that's when I adore somebody else's red pen. On the other hand, when I've had a lot of eyes on something and I'm overstimulated and feeling kind of pulled in a lot of directions at once, then nothing that anybody says is digestible at that point in the process. So where I am in my process is what guides me and usually determines what I'm able to digest. Like when somebody says, I know you didn't ask me for feedback, dot, 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 and then they launch into feedback 
This happens all the time. And you don't always have to ask to get it, especially I think for the people that are close to you and that love you and and feel like they just need to say whatever it is they need to say. I think you have a couple of choices at that point. You can hear what they have to say and immediately apply it to your work if you're at that point in the process and if that feels good, if you already know the piece of candy's good. And I think you can reserve the right to stop them when they say that and say, yep, you're right. I didn't ask you. I might ask you soon, but right now I'm not at that point in my process. Thank you, though. Third option is you could just put it in the candy pile and you could decide later if you're going to eat it. When I launched this podcast over a year ago, the first episode, I just combed it and stroked it and manicured it and I took a toothpick to every single nook and cranny because I wanted the launch to be good and to be polished and to be something that that people loved And I recorded it like seven times, working on my voice and my intonation. And I finally sent it to Alex for production. And and after a a day, I felt nervous that she'd not said anything about it. She'd not responded. And so I called her and she said, kind of quietly, it was what I expected. And it will drop on Monday. And I... I was like, oh, okay, Um, what else? Like I knew she wasn't saying everything, so I pushed her. What did you think? Did you think it was good? I was definitely fishing because I, she wasn't saying much. And she reluctantly told me, and just to give you a little background, I think at that time we were still in a in a teacher student dynamic, so she didn't feel comfortable um, just saying anything or giving me unsolicited feedback. We hadn't set that up at that point. But I pushed her and she said, well, I love the stories and the content, but it sounds like you're reading it. And I think you should just tell it, tell the stories that you know so well from the bullet points or or just like even from sparse notes and see what comes out naturally. Because I think it should be more conversational. And so I took it. And I ate that feedback. I was ready for that feedback. And so I recorded it again. And I only glanced at my notes. And her feedback transformed things that will help from the launch date, from the very beginning, because it allowed me to jump without a net and to skip the over-editing and the over-fixing and the over-grooming. And instead, speak from a place of experience and trust, trust for myself. And that trust has built over all these episodes. And, and, and now my notes are mostly just like reminder words and a very light sketch of what I want to talk about. And that feedback has changed everything. And I had to pull it out of her. But where I was in the process was perfect to be able to hear it. I was ready for it. I was ripe for it. And I had to go through those hours of, of manicuring and re-recording in order to trust myself, I think. And that jumping without a net was actually optimal in this case. Mm-hmm. 
Here's another example, just kind of another metaphor to think about this. I keep this ongoing bag for my friend Leslie, and it has Coretta's clothes in it that she's outgrown. Leslie's having a baby in July, and we don't know whether or not it's a boy or a girl, but I keep folding these little clothes for her and saving them. And when I bring her the bag, what's going to happen is that some of them are going to be the wrong season or the wrong size, but I'm just going to bring her the bag. And it's up to her what she keeps and where she's going to be in the process of it all. And she might have so many clothes and so much stockpiled that she might be overwhelmed with it. It might feel too much. And if so, I hope that she gives the whole bag to Goodwill if it's not useful. That is what we can choose to do with feedback. We can keep what works and we can give away the rest. A little side note um, for good feedback, like feedback that's just praise. When somebody gives us feedback that is loving and, and praise, like not critique, it's just good, can we just say thank you? Can we let ourselves feel the love wash over, even if we don't yet believe it ourselves, instead of discounting it and self-deprecating? This is such a practice to do, I know, but I think it will do us good. Just say thank you. I appreciate you seeing that about me. Sometimes when people identify our blind spots, it feels really hard. And when they poke at something that we've overlooked or neglected, it's easy to get defensive. There is discomfort that you're going to feel when somebody gets it right with critical feedback. When they hit on something that you could stand to change, it's uncomfortable. But there's also a different kind of discomfort when people get it wrong and when you're misread or misrepresented. I think it's really important to begin to know the difference between these two discomforts. Because when someone is right and they've hit on something that could help you grow, it doesn't matter who they are. The candy might still be good. But if they're wrong... It also doesn't matter who they are. It's not worthy of your time spent. It's not worthy of your internal anxiety and your shame and your, your spinning around about it. So throw it in the trash like that wax paper candy. Throw it in the trash and don't think about it again. Not everything deserves consideration. But begin to know your buttons and be willing to look past your defenses so you can get the good candy. I got to tell y'all something funny. Matt, who knows a ton about music, knows more about music than most people, does not know a lot about hair bands from the 80s. I know a lot about hair bands from the 80s because I was obsessed with them during my teen years and would dream about the front men and these bands in all my spare time. Matt, in order to honor me, is doing a hair band playlist for the for the episode um on poison and potion. Obviously, um, it was inspired by the amazing band Poison. So anyway, he's making this list, and 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 I don't usually offer playlist fe- feedback 
um, because most of the time I think he he's a genius when it comes to that. But I did have some hairband feedback because as I was looking at it, I noticed he was going for all the most popular songs of these bands. And I was going to suggest some really special songs that were less popular. So I said, can I make a suggestion? And his whole body stiffened. Despite my hairband expertise, he seemed uninterested. And I was also going to suggest not starting with Def Leppard because there, I think, there's kind of a hierarchy. And Def Leppard, in my opinion, does not hold the same status as, say, like Skid Row or Bon Jovi. He was also holding pretty tight to having the, the, the most popular anthems be the thing in this playlist. So when I said, can I make a suggestion? He said, yep. But it was sort of like a, it was a short, yep, which I could tell meant nope. But I gave it anyway, sort of reluctantly and quickly, but I knew he didn't want me to say it. So after I said what I said, I softened back because I could tell he didn't want my candy, even though it was a really good piece of candy from a hairband expert. And I'm going to talk more about this next episode about knowing when we should back off, when you can kind of feel that somebody's not in the process or are ready to hear us. I used to um, teach a, a yoga course called The Understory. And it's a, it's a core, it's yoga, but it had some philosophy and mythology and meditation and discussion as part of it too. And each evening... Um, had a different theme and I told lots of stories and I packed the whole night with mythology and with ideas and different ways to install this theme into real life. And it was a lot of material. And to give you a little bit of background, I sort of have an allergy to workshops or courses that are super wishy-washy and leave a lot of just open wandering time to chit chat with your neighbor or go around the circle and check in and to name an adjective about how you're feeling that day. A lot of times some of that just feels like wasteful time because I tend to want the nectar and the information and the nougat center of what somebody knows. And so when I was building the understory, when I was constructing it, I wanted to make sure that people got their money's worth and that it was packed with everything that I knew about that theme because in my opinion, at that time, that was the most useful to them, right? Well, I will tell you, one time I taught this course, a very experienced coach took my course. And she's somebody who's worked for like 40 years in executive coaching, like really big clients, wonderful reputation. And after the understory was over, I asked Terry for feedback. And she single-handedly gave me the simplest and probably the most profound feedback of my entire career. She said, you're a wonderful storyteller and you pack a lot of great stuff in. But in terms of in-person workshops, you offer no soak time. You leave no space for us to share and to receive it through our own experience or to process it with one another. It's like rapid fire. Yes, it's potent, but at a certain point, she said, we're not digesting it. So I suggest less information and more soak time. 
Well, I was blown away. And as soon as she said it, I felt myself trying to justify it. And then I kind of got wounded and defensive. But I knew, I knew she was right. And that if I listened, it would transform every in-person workshop I would ever do. So I ate the whole piece of feedback and I didn't spit any of it out. She identified a blind spot for me that would have always kept me from trusting my students to discover their own, own process. And of course, the obvious piece of the narrative, people's light bulbs, their breakthroughs are hardly ever because of a story that I'm telling about myself or because I'm doing something really well. Those breakthroughs come when there's space enough for somebody to see their own story. And if I just keep talking straight through and don't allow them soak time, then they don't have that space. Best feedback of my career. And sometimes we're lucky to get those kind of nuggets that change the way we are learning at discovery, at human relationships, things like that. Ultimately, the reason that Terry's feedback was so profound is that she very sweetly reminded me that it's not about me and that it's not about my stories or my wisdom or my guidance that really anchors people and gives them the aha moments. It's their own stories coming to life. It's when they can see themselves in something greater and be allowed to discover their own inherent worth. And that, of course, requires me to hush and for there to be space. And, of course, it's really hard to apply that feedback to a podcast. I mean, this really only works with in-person, but it was transformative for me. Most of the time, I think that we can just take the candy and say thank you. Knowing that it may or may not be tossed out as soon as the door shuts. But I think that we also must preserve our inner spaces. So as I said before, don't be afraid to stop somebody in the middle of a sentence. I'm not open to feedback right now about this. I think that's always okay. You always get to be in charge of your own self-preservation and your inner brain space. Even if the feedback that you're hearing is hard, even if the feedback that you're hearing feels embarrassing or shame-inducing, I encourage you to sit with it long enough to feel once you kind of dissolve your own defenses long enough to feel if there's value or truth and you will know you will know you can feel it and I think also reserve the right to do your candy sorting in the privacy of your own closet I think it's important when somebody's feedbacking us to say I'm going to go sit with this And I can respond to you later. To not require ourselves to respond right then feels pretty important. Because then we will have less of a tendency to respond with all those kind of go-tos of defensiveness and yeah, 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 and self-deprecation. Instead, we can just kind of take it, put it in the pillowcase, walk away, sort it out, 
get really personal and uh, truthful with ourselves and then throw whatever we need to in the trash and then you can respond and and um, in a more authentic way to them later. Once you've gotten quite enough with your own intuition and honest enough with yourself to really um, distill it. So that's it for part one, receiving feedback. Um, I hope this was helpful. Always, always take care of yourself, take care of each other. I want to I wanna offer special thanks to Todd Anthony today and Penwheel for continuing to support me in the expansion of Things That Will Help podcast. If you want to work with somebody who's a wizard at all things marketing and advertising, Todd is your person. And I will have Alex put his information in the show notes. So much love to each of you. Um, if you would like to become a patron of this podcast, you can do so by accessing the information in the show notes. Matt is a couple of episodes behind on his playlist. I know you're all excited to hear the one on poison and potion, especially. <laughs> and we'll see if Def Leopard is um, what kicks it off. Okay. Uh, much love. Have a beautiful week. Thank you so much.